All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom, and on the phone with me this hour is the Lacrosse Education Association president, otherwise known, easier, maybe easier to say, the Teachers Union president, Jesse Martinez. Going to hang out this hour. Hey, Jesse. I'm doing well. How are you, Rick? Well, I didn't ask you how you're doing, but that's fine. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I thought that's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so how are you doing the the you know, two days before, like, do you have next week off Christmas break? Is that how this works? We do. Yeah. So we have, we had school today and then we have school tomorrow and then we're off through January 2nd. All right. So who, who slacks more, the teachers or the students right now? Oh man, it's, (laughs) it's a close, it's a close tie. I think right now, everybody's feeling pretty burned out. Is tomorrow just like make cookies and watch uh, Home Alone or something during class day? Um, you know, there are some little celebration things that we're going to be doing tomorrow in seventh grade for sure. We're going to do a little um, breakfast with all the kids and then we'll do some. They've been reading a Christmas carol and they've been reading other versions of different holiday stories. And then we'll do a little bit of watching trailers and other videos of those stories and movies and all that good stuff. So little bit less of an intense day tomorrow. All right. So uh, aside from that, the, you know, we, we don't have to start off intense, as you use the word intense, but the, uh, the, the, the lacrosse school board is going to have a giant decision coming up, and it sounds like maybe in February that'll happen where we possibly close Hinchin and Northwoods, I think was the recommendation from the Facilities Advisory Committee. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I always want to hit on standards-based grading because that seems to be, you know, a big change for, for, I think, teachers, maybe probably parents as well, although the... And students. And it's students too? Okay, so although when I talked to the superintendent, he sounded like it it was not that big a deal, but maybe... You know, maybe it's different for middle school teachers. You're like yourself, like you said, you're a seventh grade teacher. Uh, Jesse Martinez is at Logan Middle School. He teaches science and math, right? Still? Correct. Okay. I don't know how often you guys change, but you changed from last year to this year, right? I did. So I'll teach the same thing all year this year, and then we'll see what they tell me to do next. (laughs) You got to be, yeah, you got to have a, be able to do a bunch of different things. Um, and this is your ninth year, right? Yeah, ninth year already. And are we in year two of being the Lacrosse Education Association president? We are already, yes. All right. So uh, before we get into like some of that serious stuff, can you tell me? Okay, so I, I know two things: the planetarium at UW Lacrosse. When and if they ever move on with phase two of the Prairie Springs Science Center, I don't know if you know a whole lot about that. Oh, I don't know a whole lot about that. Okay, no. so it's a it's a building on the the state's list to build, right, for UW schools campuses. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. It did not get. Part, it was not part of this like DEI fight where the the payoff was UW got a engineering building. UW Lacrosse didn't get didn't get anything in these negotiations. I don't know why. But there's a planetarium at UWL that's going to be. It's it's from like the 70s, I think, maybe older. But it will be taken out and destroyed or just put in a museum. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with it, but we won't have it as a city anymore. So that would leave Central High School with the only planetarium. Central has it, right? Yeah, that's correct. And okay. they actually just received, like, it just opened, I think, last year or the year before. Um, it just reopened. So they did a huge revamp on it, and they, they're calling it the Exploratorium now. Okay. And... 
Um, I mean, that's just a fancy way to say that they've beefed it up to be more than just the solar system. And it's a really immersive experience. And it's actually one of the very few field trips in the district where um, it is fully funded by the district to take your kids there for science. Okay. So teachers are utilizing that. And then I believe, and I'm not 100% sure, I know Chad Wilkinson at Central is the one who who runs it and who has kind of organized it all and made it happen. Um, I believe that it, there is opportunities for the public to go in there as well. I just don't know exactly when or how. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of my next question. And then also, do you have you figured out how to utilize it being at Logan Middle School and then you got to hike your kids over to Central to get in there and, and have some fun? Yeah, so we have fun and we haven't gone yet this year, but... Um, there is funding for us so that we can get a bus from Logan Middle to go over there. And all we have to do is submit a request to our science department, and they'll approve it. We'll book our bus, and then they'll bus us over there at whatever time they're going to bus us over there. And we'll get to go and do our little guided tour and learn about the Exploratorium. It's, it, it's a really awesome opportunity for kids. And then, so it's more than a planetarium. What, what lessons would you teach when you, when you head over there? Is it going to be obviously, maybe not obviously, is why I'm asking. Is it space-related? Um, there is space-related stuff. It also can be utilized for, like, earth science-type um, lessons as well. And at the middle school level, we're starting to spiral our curriculum, which means, like, right now, sixth grade is physical science, seventh grade is life science, and eighth grade is earth science. And... Um, Next year, we're going to start to um, have a little bit of each type of science each school year for the kids. So, like, when they're in seventh grade, they'll get a little bit of earth science, a little bit of physical science, a little bit of um, life science. So, it's going to be a lot more, um, a lot more ap- applicable to all curriculums come the next couple of years here, which is really cool. We're diversifying science as uh, we get younger. So then, correct. And then, what, what what's the what's the good in that? As the kids get to high school, can they like pick? You know what? I like this better than that, or or just that they're introduced to all these things as they get older into the high school. Well, classes. one of the reasons is like if they have physical science in sixth grade, and then they don't have it again until they have it in high school, they're going seventh, eighth, and ninth grade without any exposure to physical science which just overall isn't great. We want kids to be, um, be exposed to everything, mm-hmm. but like every year so that they have all that stuff. But um, it's just, it, it's good for the kids to have exposure to all that stuff. And then on top of that, then they're not going that big gap without a specific type of science for a long time. Yeah, that makes total sense. All right. Jesse Martinez, the Teachers Union President, Lacrosse Education Association President, if you want to do the technical term. Logan Middle School, seventh grade science and math teacher. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. On the phone with me this hour, Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association President, or if you want to make it easier on yourself, he's the Teachers Union President. Uh, he's been doing that. I think he's in his second year. I think we established that. Uh, the first segment there. Um, all right, Jesse, before we talk about school consolidation, because I think that'll be a bigger part of the conversation, I want to talk about two things. Artificial intelligence in a minute, but before that, we'll just uh, intertwine the school board. 
the obviously the April elections are coming up. I don't know if the school board will have a primary. I don't know how many candidates it would take. I think there are three seats, right, for the school board that are open, I believe? Yeah, so the way that it works is there's three seats that are up for election this time around. Um, and then if there's more than six candidates, there will be a primary in February. Yep. Um, and if there are less than six candidates, everybody will just automatically be on the, on the April ballot. Um, and if there's only three candidates, I, I could be wrong on this, so I don't want to like pretend like I'm speaking with authority on this because I'm not necessarily an election law expert. But I believe if there's three candidates or less, the folks who are running will just be declared elected. Like I don't, I, I would assume they'd still be on the ballot, but like there's three seats open. And if there's three or less people running, like obviously those folks are going to end up elected on the school board. Yeah. I would say they still have to go to the ballot. And I would say if they would probably still have to get, go through the election process because you could always have a write-in campaign. I'm, I'm uh, true. You know, and, true. and it's not out of the question that somebody would win a write-in campaign. It'd be pretty hard to do, but I mean, the, the Onalaska mayor won a write-in com- campaign uh, a couple, true, couple of years ago. So, um, all right. So with the, the, the teachers union or the lacrosse education association, when it comes to the school board, and I'll say these terms, I believe are three years long and with yep. uh, three, op- uh, not open seats, but three seats at this point, what do you, as a, you know, teachers union, what do you guys do when it comes to school board candidates? So we believe really strongly as a union that we should be paying attention and be very involved in who is on our school board. Um, It's true that the school board does not employ us, but they employ our superintendent and they're making decisions about our district, about our budget, about our funding. And so we do deeply believe that we should be talking to school board members. We should have relationships with school board members and we should be participating in all of those processes. And so once all of the candidates have submitted their papers, I believe the date for that is Jul- not July, my God, <laughs> January 2nd. Um, after we know who, after we have all of the information about who's all running, um, as an association, we have a questionnaire that we send out, and we'll send it to every single candidate who's running. And um, we will do a screening, and if we feel like we get enough information from the surveys that we get, we will have a discussion as an association about whether we're going to make a recommendation or not. And if we feel like we need more information, there's always the option of reaching out to those folks and having interviews with them as well. Now, you've been the president for two years, but before you were the president, you were like the, the, the teachers' union VP, right? That's correct, yep. How long, how long did you do that, you know, off the top of your head? I was the vice president, I believe, for four years. Four years. Okay, so four, five, six. So you've probably gone through this process as uh, officially with the teachers' union maybe twice or three times? Um, yes. Yeah, so or six times. Actually, <laughs> I guess every for, year. For a while, the, 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 the LEA did not. Um, make endorsements in school board races. So the first time that we um, made an endorsement in over like 30 years was in the 2022 school board election. Yeah, I feel we like we had endorsements. Yeah, I feel like we had this conversation not that long ago. So it might have been just been last last year at some point. Maybe it was, over. Yeah, a year it was ago. the it was the 2022 election. And then last year in the 2023 spring election, we also endorsed. And then we'll consider endorsements this year. 
Um, and there's always the possibility that when we screen candidates, there's either a whole, like, best-case scenario, there's a ton of really great people who are running who really support public education and really want to make things better. Um, and so we don't endorse and just say anybody who you pick to vote for we think will be a great addition to the school board. Or the flip side might be that we don't really feel like any of the candidates running would be positive people, so we're not going to make an endorsement. But um, I don't necessarily see that being a thing. I think um, my hope is that there's a lot of good people running and we can have some really good conversations with candidates. Now, does the teachers' union insert any candidates or encourage any teachers? Can teachers run? <laughs> like, who so is anyone prohibited from running? That's a great question. Um, teachers who currently work in the district cannot run for school board, um, as it is a huge conflict of interest because our school board um, votes on ratifying our contract yeah. and how much we get paid. And so if an active teacher in the district were to be on the school board, it would be too much of a conflict of interest. Um, and we wouldn't be able to, like, they would have to leave their job in the district. What about um, what about a teacher from another district? Can they run for a school board? Certainly. Yep. So if they don't work in the district, but they live in the district, okay, they certainly could run for school board. So yep. here's here's the plan. Uh, here's the plan, Jesse. This is my devious mind. You get someone from on Alaska that lives in this district to run for school board here. That's a teacher in on Alaska, and then you get a teacher that that's in La Crosse that lives in on Alaska to run for the on Alaska school board, and then you just insert all these people flip flop them and then everyone giant pay raises that's how you get paid that's how you do it you guys got to just be devious and get your well (laughs) i i don't know that i'm that politically savvy there rick but (laughs) it sounds like an interesting idea i don't know that that is um necessarily what we're looking for because i i do believe that teachers make great school board members um and in fact there are um, several former, like, think about, like, I think about Dr. Garcia, who teaches future teachers. She's a great school board member who really is able to think deeply, right? But there's also folks who are outside of education who see things from a different perspective who can be really, really good school board members. Our school board is full of them. Our school board is full of folks from outside the field of education who do a really great job of being thoughtful on our school board. Um, but I think it's just really important that folks know that these seats are open. And if you're feeling frustrated with what's going on in the district, or you want to make sure that, um, certain, whether it's different, um, um, marginalized voices are uplifted or whatever it may be, you have the opportunity to run for school board. Yeah. My devious mind also goes to when you're talking about, you might endorse candidates or recommend, I guess is what you're calling it. Um, would you ever not recommend or un like publicly go? This person actually doesn't have the best. Like, I, I'm getting very probably out of the box here. But w- if if there was a candidate that just no, this person does not have any interest in helping the district. W- would would you guys even go that far, or would you just keep silent? Um. So, quite honestly, we've never encountered a candidate that we've been like. We need to campaign against this person. Yeah. Um, so that has never been a conversation that we have had. I don't, I obviously as president, like oh, I lead the discussions, but I don't make the final decisions. That's up to our membership and our, um, our, our 
school board endorsement committee that we put together each yeah. year. So um, this is this is like my fault, Jesse, because I go, hey, w- w- let's talk about a thing that's never happened. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> and, it's, and so like it's it's an unproductive question. Let me ask this, though, when when you do re- make recommendations, like you just said, you're the president. But who how do you make recommendations? Like, do you, does everybody in, uh, sure. in the association vote? We've talked about this before, but it's good to rehash this. Like, uh, so- like who makes that call? So we have a committee of folks from across our membership who are put who are part of what we're called what we call our screening committee. So we have teachers from across the district, elementary, middle, high school, different voices, different um, um, content areas. Sorry, my brain is fried today. Uh, different content areas and experiences and things like that. And what we do is we read all of the responses to our, to our survey questions. And our survey questions are pretty pointed. And, like, we know what types of answers are showing that they're supportive of teachers in public education and what sorts of answers are showing that maybe they're not as friendly to teachers. Um, and through those discussions that we have, that committee votes to make those recommendations. Um, and then last thing with this, the, the, oh, the screening process you you said you send out a questionnaire. Do you have any like good examples of, of of a question a school board candidate might be asked on that questionnaire? That I don't know. Is there? Do you have good examples off the top of your head? I could have warned you that sure. I wanted to ask so this. I don't have the exact wording right in front of me right yeah. now, but we certainly ask questions about what school board candidates see as their role as a school board member in determining curriculum. We see folks who, or we see, we put out questions about um, what type of role do you see yourself taking in advocating against the voucher program as a school board member for a public school district? Um, we talk, we ask questions about um, how can the school board be more engaged with the, the staff in the district to make sure that voices of teachers and other staff members are being uplifted at the board meetings. Um, and so those are the types of questions that we're asking and we're, we're reflecting on when we're thinking about their answers. Yeah. So, and, it, and it's great. I think, I honestly think you could make these public. I, I, maybe I'll bug you later to see if I can get these questions to be public because a, as we look for candidates, I guess we only have a, a couple of, you know, maybe a, a, about 10 days or so before they have the, the filing deadline. But as we look for candidates, Hey, what do I, what, what should I be thinking about if I want to run for school board? And here's, Oh, here's what the teachers association thinks I should be thinking about. And that might, you know, you know what, I want to run or I don't want to run because these are important to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you're asking just for the questions. That would, that would be a conversation I'd have to have with my executive team. Yeah. Um, we will not release candidate answers. Oh, I get that. Um, That's... That, is not, that is not something that we will do. We've been asked that before, and the answer to that will always be no. But we will. We I could discuss with my exec team about possibly making those questions public. Yeah, maybe not even the questions, but maybe just like bullet points on here's what's important to the the Lacrosse La Education Association when it comes to somebody that might be running for school board. I don't know. You don't even have sure. to give it to me. You could throw it on your uh, your social media sure, pages. Throw it out on our social media. Yeah, certainly. Uh, that's Jesse um, Martinez, the the president of the teachers union. All right, we got to take a break. We're gonna come back. We didn't talk about AI. We want to talk about that definitely because we always put that on the list to talk about we never get to it so i'm gonna make it next and then we'll talk about the um school consolidation plan uh and and just your feelings i have no idea how you feel about this so i'm pretty curious to know Uh, but we gotta take a break we'll be back in a minute 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. On the phone with me this hour, Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president. He's also a Logan Middle School seventh grade science and math teacher. The I feel like those are the hardest subjects. How do you get suckered into doing both of those? I feel like you should be doing one or the other, Jesse. Um, you know what? The the reason that those get paired together is because they go together a lot of the time. So science and math are very intertwined as subjects. Um, and the other side of that is that language arts, so English class and um, social studies, are very conducive to one another. And so a lot of times, the especially at the middle school level, you'll have teachers who are teaching, when you, when you teach two subjects, they're teaching science and math or social studies and language arts. This isn't one of those things where we don't have enough teachers anymore and we're just going to make them do two things? No, because, like, if you look at the way that our eighth grade is structured, they, they have teams of four teachers, and each teacher teaches, like, one teacher is the science teacher, and one teacher is the math teacher, and one teacher is the language arts, and one's the social studies. So it depends on how the grade level structures itself. Okay. Um, okay, artificial intelligence. I, I'm not going to pretend to know that I, I, you know, I've dabbled in it. I've, I've seen other people use it. Um, I'm a 45 year old guy, so I got to learn just like anyone else. But what about, okay, so we could do this as a school thing, but just first, cause we're talking about your grade, seventh grade as a, as a student, are you, <laughs> I don't know how to want to approach this. Are you worried about students at, at the middle school level using artificial intelligence in a way that would help them slack off, so to speak, cheat, I guess is the easiest way. Are kids at seventh in the middle school cheating with artificial intelligence, and how would you know? So, first of all, I don't know how I would know. <laughs> um, it's hard to tell, right, because um, the only way to really know is if you know, like, and I do know my kids very well, and I know what they are capable of, so if they turn something in that's at, like, a college level, and they're performing at a normal seventh grade level, obviously that is something that is not their work. Right. Um, now, do I know if it's AI or if it's just something that's copied and pasted? No. But well, that's I th- choose. I, I, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's the thing. I guess you would you would have to. How do you root out cheating in general? Right. Because the Internet is brought on. Uh, you know, when I was in school, the Internet wasn't all that prevalent. So I, I couldn't even imagine being able to cheat. You know, college a little bit different. There was the Internet was a little bit more prevalent for me. But this is still the the year 2000. So we, we were worried about Y2K at that point, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so I guess there's no difference there. I mean, AI or not AI, they just copy and paste something out of the internet. Let me ask this though. Are you getting, um, lessons in artificial intelligence where you could utilize that as a teacher? So we have not really dabbled into the realm of professional development on AI yet. But that is kind of what I was getting at is I do believe we need that professional development and we do need to have conversations about it because there are certainly risks and dangers to it, but there are also a huge amount of benefits to it. And so, like, I I think we would be remiss to just, like, brush it off as we need to stay away from this technology. That would be like saying stay away from the Internet, which is ridiculous. And we have found ways as educators to kind of mix that into our everyday like lessons and, and teach the kids how to use that effectively and appropriately 
that's what I think we need to do with AI as well. I just don't know how to do that yet because I don't know AI very well. Yeah. Okay. So is it going to be upon yourself to learn this stuff maybe over Christmas break? No, but really like over summer or would the school district or would the teachers union go, hey, we actually need to start preparing for this as we have a state committee. Steve Doyle and on Alaska state rep is on this committee where they're just kind of looking at AI in different ways as a, as a, a government, you know, do you as teachers or do you as the teachers union president or just the, just maybe the, the education in Wisconsin, whatever you want to call that, the, the education realm of Wisconsin need to start initiating something where, where teachers get up to speed on artificial intelligence. So the short answer to that is yes, um, to everything you just said. Like, we need to – teachers are going to need to figure out how this stuff works so that they can see it and understand what kids are using. But then on top of that, like, we need our district to provide us with professional development on AI, and we're going to need, as a union, to find a way to start having these conversations and figuring out what we feel like we need as teachers so that we can advocate for that, whether it's through our own union, because I know our national affiliate, the National Education Association, is developing a task force on AI to look at it, kind of like what you were mentioning at the state level. Um, And I know that our state union is considering that as well. So um, there's certainly lots of different avenues, but there needs to be a multifaceted approach, like, we're going to have to take some stuff upon ourselves, just like we always do, to learn a little bit about it. But there also needs to be opportunities presented for us to learn about it, to be effective with it. Yeah. And when you say you got to take stuff upon yourself, do you talk, are you talking like locally as a teacher's union here or you in your yeah. base or you in your basement on your laptop going, all right, I really got to figure no. this out. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. Um, <laughs> that's not going to work. I'm talking as a local teacher's union here. We're going to have to do some work to figure out how to um, advocate and address AI as it starts to become more and more prevalent. Yeah, because I, I feel like, honestly, if you're not doing this soon, and uh, me, myself included, we're going to be behind. We're just going to start falling behind. I think behind. we already are behind. Yeah. I, I think we already are. I think that's, that's the fact of the matter here. Yeah, I had some- We're already behind, so we need to start catching up. I had someone recently on the show, and we didn't talk about it on the show, but after the show, they, you know, they showed me some AI, like the ways to utilize AI. And they're like, yeah, if you wanted to just summarize something, if you're, if you're, and it's just kind of a, in a way that I could do, use it for the show. I was like, oh, that's really awesome. I should start looking into that. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and I know I've, I have colleagues, obviously, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I sit on the NEA Board of Directors. So I have colleagues across the state that I'm connect or across the nation that I'm connected with. And I have met folks who have used like chat GPT to write out their sub plans. If they're really, really sick and can't write their sub plans, they'll plug in what they want their lesson plan to look like. And chat GPT will shoot some out for them. So like there are huge benefits to it. Obviously, like I know I'm a control freak. So if I plugged something into chat GPT and it shot it out to me, I'd look at it and I'd edit it. And then at that point, it's like I might as well have written my own sub plans. But <laughs> um, there are certainly ways that it can be used effectively and efficiently within the education system. I just think we need to figure out what the appropriate and inappropriate ways to use it are. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, I, I definitely have had someone show me something that I, they didn't tell me if it was AI or not. 
And then I read it and I go, oh, you definitely didn't read this after you had ChatGPT write it for you. Oh, sure. <laughs> so there's a world here where, yeah, you probably well, should, whatever you're doing, you definitely have to read it over. So the, um, the one realm of AI that I have actually used is um, AI generated images. So like, so my wife is a volleyball coach for the lacrosse elevate and she, um, she was trying to create like a logo for her own little team. And, <laughs> and so we were playing around with this image generator and we were able to come up with like a really cool pop art image of a dinosaur playing volleyball that neither of us ever could have created on our own. That is totally like unique. It was just, it's so there are really cool aspects of AI that I can already start to see connections within my own classroom. If, we wanted to go that route. So, all right. So, I hope the dinosaur is on a Tyrannosaurus Rex because if the Tyrannosaurus Rex was your setter, they wouldn't even be able to set the ball, if you know what I mean. <laughs> True. They'd just be hitting it with their nose. <laughs> <laughs> so, and maybe they could bump. I guess they could be a libero, but they're, they're awfully big. So, they wouldn't even make that great of a libero. Uh, and now I'm deep diving too much in volleyball. People are like, what are you talking about, Rick? All right. We got to move on to the, to the, the big thing before I let you go. Um, School consolidation. Facilities Advisory Committee came up with recommendation after eight months of work. I think they met once a month for eight meetings that were open to the public. And then we've had a couple of different public hearings and people have showed up to school board meetings to express their opinion. And nobody expresses their opinion in a positive way. It says, yay, I love the idea of closing Hinchin or I love the idea of closing Northwoods Elementary. And um, so how does the how does the Lacrosse Education uh, Association handle school school consolidation do you have an opinion or am i approaching this wrong and asking you this well i think there it, as you alluded to it's it's such a complex situation right like there it's complex in the budgetary sense of it it's complex in the emotional sense of it and so there's a couple of different ways that i've had to um think about this issue and first of all um there's this this idea that whatever the facility advisory committee came up with is that end all be all right. And that's not necessarily the case. I kind of honestly felt that way at the beginning as well, but after having conversations with people on the board, after listening to their discussions at board meetings, um, I don't know that I can predict what the school board is going to do because I don't know if school board members can predict what the school board is going to do right about now. Um, which is hard because that makes for a lot of anxiety in the educators who are in all of these elementary schools that are being discussed. Um, however, I wish I could sit here on your show right now and say that there should be no school closures because we do know that closing schools is never a good option. However, when you look really like I, I would encourage folks to look at what the budget projections look like for the school district of lacrosse and like just in terms of like what our student enrollment looks like next year the difference between the graduating senior class this year and the projected incoming kindergarten class next year the difference amounts to like about a million dollars in less revenue that we will have next year just because of the class size difference between the kindergarten class and the senior class. So there is a budget issue that we are facing and it is real. And when you look at our budget, right, when you look at what 
the school district of lacrosse pays for they pay for facilities they pay for people and they pay for resources what costs the most facilities and people cost the most so if we don't address our facilities we're gonna have to address the people and i do not feel comfortable advocating for layoffs in my district and that would that would be what this would lead to should we not address something elsewhere and i feel like it is my duty as the union president to ensure that people have a job first and foremost and so it sucks right like there is no good feeling in any of this but that is kind of where i come at it from is i want to make sure that we don't lose educators in this district. I want to make sure that folks can stay in the district and we keep the, the human capital that we already have because we have really, really great teachers in this district. Okay, so, but if we close two facilities, let's just go with the plan. The facility advisory committee says close Northwoods and Hinchin. If we close those, won't we be losing some of those people that you're talking about? No. No, we're still going to have the same amount of kids as we have now. So they're not going to jack up the class sizes. They didn't jack up the no. class sizes at the middle school. Okay, no, students. We'll have students, but I was talking like your people, like teachers, like no. workers. We won't lose them either? My understanding is that there will not be mass layoffs of teachers. There may be, like right now, first of all, when you look across the district, there are open positions in just about every building. Um, so if there does need to be a reduction in position. It'll be those positions that nobody is in right now already. And then on top of that, say that there's a total of six second grade classrooms between the two buildings that end up closing. Those six sections are going to go to another school. So maybe two of those sections go to Summit, two of those sections go to State Road, two of those sections go to Hamilton. There's going to be two open second grade positions at each of those schools for people to slide into. Okay, so it's kind of a... It's a little bit of a payoff in, in, a, in a dreary way because we don't actually have enough workers for the school district right now. Or when, and when I say workers, I mean like it, it, anything, right? From like teachers to, to custodial staff, right? Like we're always tr- trying to right. fill those gaps. Um, so this kind Correct. of plays along with that quote unquote teacher exodus we're talking about. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a great, that's, a, I, and that's why I say quotes because it's not really a great term, but um, we're always short teachers and therefore this, the, the, the idea that we close um, a couple of buildings. So nobody's going to lose their job. It, so Most likely. I'm, I, the most likely scenario is that folks are going to keep their jobs. There might be a couple of unique like traveling positions where teachers are traveling between a few different schools that those positions get eliminated. But I, looking at what the open positions are right now, Folks are, are going to have opportunities to, to stay in the district if they want to stay here. The, the last thing, and I know you got to go, but the last thing, we have some hardships now with the, the way the buildings are set up, right? Because are, are kids or teachers having to go from one school to, to another just to like fill the gaps in having a, maybe an extracurricular activity or something like that, or even a class to fill it? So currently we have, so like this was a a big thing that was resolved when we consolidated Lincoln into Logan Middle and Longfellow was we had these traveling teachers who had to travel between Longfellow and Lincoln or Logan Middle and Lincoln or Logan Middle and Longfellow. And when we consolidated the two buildings, we have, I think we have one traveling teacher between Lincoln and Longfellow and uh, Logan Middle now. Okay. And 
this was something that the facility advisory committee looked at as well. If two buildings close, regardless of what two buildings they are, if two buildings close, the amount of teachers who are going to have to travel between buildings is going to shrink dramatically because they're going to create the way that the students would shift is going to create full-time positions within one school instead of a part-time position in one school and a part-time position in another school. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And then, like, I was just thinking, like, there, the, we don't have to get into it, but like, if all if there are more kids in one school, then the band would be a little bit bigger, the choir might be a little bit bigger, or there would be enough kids for a choir or something like that. So, right, and that that's kind of what happened at the middle schools. Is like Lincoln was very, very good about doing the holiday brass and the the holiday winds and all those different holiday um, mm-hmm. musical instrument groups. And we hadn't ever really had them at Logan Middle before, at least to my knowledge. They weren't very, um, they, they weren't very big to my knowledge, at least. So my apologies to the, to the music teachers if I'm missing that. But um, that they've come, those, that, those programs have now traveled with those teachers from Lincoln to those buildings. And now we have huge holiday brass programs and huge holiday winds and strings and all of that. And, like, they went to the Capitol this year and performed in Madison. And that is something that was really cool for the kids to be able to do and for us to be able to see as educators. That's Jesse Martinez, the Lacrosse Education Association president, otherwise the teacher's union president, and he's a Logan Middle School teacher, seventh grade science and math. Jesse, I really appreciate you coming on for the hour. Thanks, man. Of course. Thanks, Rick. All right, got to take one more break. We'll wrap up when we come back. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Lacrosse Education Association President or the Teachers Union President, Jesse Martinez, for hanging out this hour. A couple interesting topics there, AI and schools and multiple facets of that. Like We always go to, like, how are students going to cheat using AI? But also, like, how are teachers going to utilize that using AI? And it sounds like we are behind a little bit as maybe a state, as a district, I will be honest, I'm probably a little behind on AI as well as, as somebody that needs to be able to talk about it a little bit more. And I bet I could utilize it as part of the show. And then, yeah, the whole building consolidation conversation was pretty interesting. And, you know, the school board elections coming up. So coming up tomorrow, UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Trigoski, and a lot of things happening as the state legislature takes their break before their three months on after the new year and then their rest of the year break the like last eight months of the year. So we'll probably talk about that and some other politics happening in Wisconsin, as well as the nonsense we always seem to get into. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening.